1: After a humiliating 10-wicket defeat to New Zealand in their World Cup opener, Sri Lanka are on the board, beating Afghanistan by 34 runs in a topsy-turvy, rain-affected clash in Cardiff. It was not a game for the purists, with both sides showing their fallibility with the bat, but Sri Lanka will be mightily relieved to have their first victory in the tournament, with many having tipped them for the wooden spoon. In other news, Dale Steyn will sadly play no part in the tournament, a persistent shoulder injury forcing his withdrawal. Things go from bad to worse for South Africa. Welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast, in partnership with Travel Bag creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. Phil Walker's taking a well-earned breather today. This is marathon, not a sprint, after all. And I'm joined here at the Oval by two familiar voices to regular listeners of the show. On this sunny evening after a soggy day in South London, a warm welcome to Elizabeth Ammon, cricket news reporter for The Times and Wisden Cricket Monthly columnist. And also joining me is CrickViz WizKid, Ben Jones, who I genuinely think was more excited about this World Cup than, well, anyone else I've spoken to. Ben... Six days in. Are your hopes and dreams being realised? Uh,
2: I mean, I don't think they can actually meet what I wanted this World Cup <laughs> to be, but they're pretty. They're pretty close. We've packed a lot of very good into a very short amount of time. Um, it's it's been unexpected. There's been been thrills, there's been upsets, there's been great catches, there's been great bowling. I mean, come on. It's the World Cup. It's happening I worry, like, out there.
0: I worry, Ben, that you might not be able to sustain this for the next six Too weeks. much, too <laughs> early. <I> mean, <laughs> I'm having the cricketing equivalent
2: of a sugar rush, yeah. but, but it's good for the moment.
1: Anyway, let's go straight into that Afghanistan-Sri Lanka game. Uh, ben, what was your moment of the day?
2: Um, it was kind of two-pronged, really. Um, the Tesara Pereira catch off uh, Hazutullah um, who obviously the most important Afghanistan player really, he's kind of the one that could win the game for them, um, and he kind of pulls it down to final leg, and Barrera, who's not the most svelte of gentlemen, it's sure. fair to say, <laughs> he's a heavyweight competitor, kind of dives forward and takes it like just inches off the turf.
1: I didn't think he was catching that one, no, I have I, to I, say.
2: I, I don't think he, I'm <laughs> not sure then he, he did still it. has. Like, <laughs> he's, not, he's not the best fielder in the world, but he takes it, and it was amazing, but it was also great because... I was watching on the train, um, coming in to record this, obviously, it's I'm very committed. Obviously. Um, and I was watching it on my phone, and there were a few other people on the kind of four-seat around me on the train. And in the few hours before, they were like, oh, what are you watching? I was like, oh, you yeah, know, Afghanistan, Sri Lanka. And they were like, oh, Afghanistan, play cricket, da 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 And bring them all in, and it was perfect timing, because it's like, oh, suddenly this, like slightly rotund gentleman dives forward and takes an incredible catch and I'm like that is amazing what you've just seen and that is and, cricket I was right. like, that is the World Cup right there is four random strangers on a train between Oxford and London watching a Sri Lankan take a catch off an Afghani batsman I was like that, that's what it's all about really
1: that's the World Cup right there um, Lizzie I mean there was a stage there where it was looking quite painful for Sri Lanka uh, when Afghanistan got off to a flyer in that innings Uh are you relieved for Sri Lanka that because it was it was starting to look quite bad for them in this tournament?
0: Well, I mean they looked an absolute rabble and bizarre selection decisions coming into the tournament. And that first game, I thought, oh, this could be uh, they could genuinely not win a game mm. this entire group stage. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that's good for the tournament or good for world cricket or or, or, or any of that. Oh, um, it, it is. I, I just have such an affiliation with the Afghanistan team because they're also joyful and so wonderful that I would rather have um I'd rather they won but <laughs> it's good for the tournament I'm going to take the corporate view
1: yeah I, I think I'd agree with that um Lizzie we'll come to your moment of the day because I know it's not from that game specifically my moment was Mohammed um, Nabi's three wickets in an over um he'd already tightened things up after Sri Lanka had really got off to a flyer um then Tiramani played on Two balls later, we had Kushal Mendez caught a slip. And then from the last ball of the over, he has Angelo Matthews also caught a slip. Um, three wickets in and an over. Sri Lanka has slipped from 144 to one uh, for one to 146 for four. Uh, he didn't spin it much, possibly at all. Ben, you can probably tell me the, the stats on this. Oh Well,
2: well, I mean, the stats on the spin are, as you'd expect, it barely moved off the straight. Yeah. But the point is, it was one of the slowest balls he's bowled like, in the last... Yeah, he's he, he tossed it up so much. Right, okay. Gave so much air, which is one thing if you're Rashid Khan and you, you've got all the whip of a leg spin, but actually he's doing it as a finger spinner and he's throwing it up there. like That is really asking to be hit out of Cardiff and it's more of a gamble and as a result it was more exciting when it came off. And yeah, I mean, Monavs is just one of the best most fun stories in cricket because you know he's, I, I was looking at his, his quick info profile today and was shocked that he's 34 because it feels like he's just kind of come out of nowhere and like into this into the world of kind of international prominent cricket and everyone's falling in love with him at like slightly different rates some it, sometimes it's in the IPL and sometimes it's when you're watching Afghanistan on a dodgy stream at mm-hmm. two in the morning um, naming no names Freddie wild. um <laughs> but that's that was what's, again, what's so great about the World Cup is everyone kind of being like, who's this random Afghanistan offspin all-rounder? And actually, it's, he's, a, he's a world-class player.
1: And he's been there from the start of the, the Afghan journey, if we can call it that. Um, four for 30, I should say, from his nine overs today. Um, as you say, 34 now. Uh, I've got a quiz question for you. How many international teams do you think Mohammed Nabi has played against? Um, ben, you, you give me a shout yeah, first. Yeah,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll take the hit. I'm going to say 11. Is I he? think
0: it's probably more than that, is it? I don't know, maybe
1: 18?
0: 45. What? <laughs> 45 <laughs> countries. He's, they there
2: 45 p- countries in the world?
1: Uh, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe we should check the stat. Um, <laughs> yeah, because obviously they started early days playing that, that tournament in Jersey, which was on the, the, the film oh, yeah, about Afghanistan cricket. Yeah, so they yeah. played all these countries that no one else plays, yeah. moved their way out the world cricket leagues. A lot of those he wouldn't have played in the last couple of years obviously but um, yeah astonishing stat if it's true I'm pretty sure it is um, moving on from today's game Lizzie what, what was your moment of the day
0: um, my moment of the day actually came from a press conference and it's not often you say that is it um, but it was from uh, Steve Rose's press conference earlier today here at the Oval um, he was asked about how uh, the team rebuilt after the Christchurch uh, terrorist incident. And it was really quite a moving answer, really. He talked about how proud he was of them and how he was a little bit worried how you rebuild from that because it was clearly enormously traumatic for them. But he talked a lot about brotherhood and they've got smiling faces and they were a real team and actually some good has come out of that. And I just thought that was a really lovely moment. Well, they are. I mean,
1: he's obviously... Bangladesh were moving in the right direction before you turned up, but they do seem to be clicking really well. And Ben, you wrote a really nice piece uh, on Bangladesh's victory over South Africa. Um, do you want to tell us about, kind of what were your impressions of Bangladesh?
2: Oh, I mean, it was, it, it was kind of twofold, really, because it was the impression of the team and the impression of the fans. I mean, at the start of the day, I, w- I got to the Oval about 9am, and it was kind of mainly South Africa, maybe 50-50. And then all of a sudden, there was this influx of Bangladesh fans, and you're thinking, okay. This is this is actually pretty special, and they because they're making so much noise, and then the team matches the performance of the fans, and Osaka comes out and he's playing and missing at like more than one in three deliveries. He's just making so many mistakes, but he's scoring runs and it's kind of driving Bangladesh to the highest highest ever power play in the last, apart from the Ireland game, it was kind of of the last twelve months, and they played so few defensive shots and they just kind of came out and they they kind of took the moment of this is our first game in the World Cup and we're going to make it count and. They made their highest ever ODI score and then they defended it with brilliant spin bowling and by th- they're, they're, they're training outside <laughs> of the match. Yeah, you can hear it and that's them playing football, that's why they're so excited, yeah. obviously. I mean, yeah, not quite as loud as the fans were on Sunday, but they're kind of pretty close for, for 15 guys. But it was it was amazing and the Oval is a wonderful place to watch cricket when you get neutral fans in as well mm. because you realise that actually London's London's an amazing city for that in terms of its... Demographic, and suddenly it was full. And we saw that again in Nottingham the other day with all the Pakistan fans. And yeah, it was was a wonderful occasion and it kind of sparked the start of the World Cup for me because it felt like this was the moment where something unexpected first happened and also where something kind of truly historic happened. It was the best thing that Bangladesh have ever done with the bat. And they've done it on the biggest stage of all.
1: And a lot of people are saying that shouldn't have been considered too much of a shock given they got to the semi-final, the Champions Trophy, quarterfinal final of the last World Cup, beating a lot of good sides on home soil generally. What chance do we give them then tomorrow against New Zealand?
0: Um... (laughs) Well, it sort of depa- It's a day-night match, and I'm not sure that's in their favour. No. Um, I think that will play into the hands of uh, of New Zealand's bowlers. They are without Southie, who's still injured. Is he? So um, okay. Tom Latham confirmed that they will have the same eleven. Now, um, that's a good eleven, but and uh, Matt Henry, bold, who probably
1: wouldn't yeah, have played, came yeah. in and bowled very well. Um, I was going to
2: say that's no bad thing having no Southie at the moment because Henry's one of the best new ball bowlers in the world at the moment, just hitting hitting good length on the green seamers.
1: Mm.
0: But they're riding high. They seem full of confidence. You know, I've been watching them training and they're out there they sound, I mean they sound full of beans don't they <laughs> out there play, <laughs> playing football um, I, I really think tomorrow actually might be a really good match and really two, two sides who could give, make, make it really entertaining
2: Well it'll be interesting because obviously the other game that's happening it's at roughly at the same time <laughs> is probably the more prominent one but actually we might be in for a thriller um, at the Oval hopefully that's the one I'm going to
1: um, Chatting about South Africa leads me on to an important question Ben Jones <laughs> what kind of laptop do you have?
2: Um, I'm not quite sure, I think it's a HP Pavilion um, Right, I, mean, I was yeah.
1: hoping for your sake it was kind of one of those Mac Airs rather than <laughs> chunky thing. because for those of you who didn't see it, Ben Jones's tweet on May the 27th read If South Africa don't go further than Australia, I will eat my laptop
2: Didn't say I didn't want to eat my laptop though like, I, <laughs> okay. Right, that let's see, quite, Is that,
1: that's the route you're going down um, I mean, it's a bit mean to pick out a pre-series prediction because we've all made them. And, and no, apart, apart, apart from me, obviously, well, everyone's yeah, getting them all Phil wrong. Phil
2: pulled you up on your, your uh, root comment Which is <laughs> absolute crap as well. But anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the thing with, obviously, Del Steyn now withdrawing is it's given me a very convenient crutch um, to kind of aid my argument. The, point, the reason I said that ahead of the World Cup is because you look at that attack of Lungi Ngidi, Kuyisa Rabada and Del Steyn. Aided by Imran Tahir, that as a foursome at the very least is incredibly good. Like that, that's that's the best four bowlers in any team in the World Cup. Aided by a very secure batting lineup, and as we've seen, it's not been a 320 par World Cup so far. It's been more of a kind of you get 300 during the game. Mm. And that was the way I was going with it. But I didn't really compensate for the fact that Lungi hamstrings are slightly more vulnerable than I thought. And um, and Dale Stain, I probably could have called that he was going to get injured. But I chose not to.
1: And Australia, are they stronger than we expected? Or is it just to. I mean, they've just beaten Afghanistan comfortably, which we probably would have expected. But the way they did it, there was a kind of. Yeah, a, there was a an air there, about them. Yeah.
0: There was an air about them. And I think you just can never underestimate an Australian team with a point to prove, mm. um, which they have, haven't they? I mean, they they, they were. So, I was at Bristol and they were loudly booed. booed and I'm not sure, I'm sure that that's not, not helping, helping is it? matters. Yeah, it's actually. not helping at all. Um, so, yeah, I think Australia actually, and they're all fit. They're all, they're not, they're not got injury worries, have they? And they all look fit and they look fit in the field and they look fit in training. And you can't say the same about South Africa. Well, that
2: was what I was going to say is that if you take away the two best seamers from any side, yeah. they're going to be in trouble. Like if Australia lose two... if they lost Stark and Cummins, the guys coming in, well, I mean, it's pro- it's maybe someone from the JLT who's done very well but it's not high profile bowlers it's, it's maybe Berendorf being promoted into the team but it's maybe Peter Siddle coming into the 15 it's mm. not these aren't great players and it's the same across the board or I mean, Hazelwood we, uh, who is, I'm, I'm not convinced that they want Hazelwood in the ODI they yeah, just I want him the rest, to him, rest yeah. of the ashes quite yeah. rightly too um,
1: apparently not very happy about that
2: well you wouldn't be would you the World Cup's so great as yeah. we all know um, <laughs> but I, yeah I, I'm still not convinced about Australia at this stage I like I obviously think there's a lot of talent in that side but I think that they are they've still got a team to win the 2015 world cup and i think as everyone gets a bit more comfortable and people realize that not every single innings in this world cup is going to matter because there's there's room for error you can you can go out and try and get 360 and lose and it's fine people will lose that pressure fear and people will start to batter australia i think
1: We hope, we hope.
2: I'm not going to eat a different part of my technology collection, (laughs) maybe my iPod or something, but that's (laughs) basically... Like you're doubling doubling down, excellent.
1: Um, We should also talk a bit more about Dale Stane, because cricket can be pretty cruel sometimes. Uh, He won't play in another World Cup, obviously. He might not play another ODI, quite quite likely. Um, His last act in the World Cup will be being hit for six by Grant Elliott collapsing to the ground at Eden Park and, scaring and staring into the Auckland night sky, which is pretty brutal for the best, bowl, best fast bowler of, the, of modern times.
0: Yeah, I mean, Faf was there were, there were some pointed comments from Faf in his press conference earlier about whether or not on the eve of his last World Cup he should have actually gone to the IPL. Um, mm. And whether he should have not. Oh, really? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he didn't say I- exactly those words, but he, 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 he referenced. Well, Stain's clearly a really likeable
2: guy, and everyone wants to think the best of him, but it maybe was a, a slightly odd choice. But part of the point was that RCB were in all kinds of trouble, and they were they were probably, you know, called him and made him a very good offer and said, right, come on, you've. You want to be on the highest stage ahead of the World Cup, get some match practice. If he goes and does a Joss Butler and has an incredible end to the IPL and then goes into the World Cup and win in incredible form, then we're probably all lauding the decision. Um, so it's it's double edged. That's the toughest thing because
1: he hasn't played a lot of cricket over the last year or so. So you can understand that desire to, to get into right, rhythm. Yes, me, it's yeah. obviously all just backfired on him. And yeah. now they, they've all uh, called up Bo Ran Hendricks, I believe that's how you pronounce it, left arm seamer with only two ODIs. And I think we were being honest. Who? We don't know a huge, a huge <laughs> amount about him, which really but that sums up, well, perhaps our lack of cricket knowledge, but more importantly, uh, the lack of depth in South African cricket right well,
2: now. Yeah, I mean, when I saw his name, I, th- I immediately thought of Dwayne Olivier in terms of he would be the guy who would come in. He's the next. I mean, he might have even been in the squad, um, and South Africa have been unlucky with injuries. He would
1: have come in before Morris, you'd have thought, who yeah. was also, they have been unlucky with injuries, haven't exactly.
2: they? They really have. Yeah, you, it, it's, it was fair to think they would do quite well. <laughs> <It's a lot
0: laughs> you are going to make this point, <laughs> Ben. Aren't you like, definitely. Are. It like is. It is. A, it is a valid point, though. If we're looking at, if you look at scores at elsewhere around the country, and quite how many South African b- bowlers are playing in county championship, and, and and they're not there to call up for South Africa. It's it's a it's a bit of a concern, isn't yeah. it? Really, that there's no there's not there's not the players coming through. Would an
2: attack of Kyle Abbott, Dwayne Olivier, Mornay, Mornay Morkel, be better than? Rabada, um, Hendricks, and, Morris, Patricuo and Morris. Yeah. It probably
1: would, quite be, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I also wanted, uh, at this stage, after six whole days of the tournament, uh, talk about what's surprised us so far. What we, what we have seen that perhaps we didn't expect. And I was going to start, because I'm the host and I can, I can do that. Uh, I was going to start by saying the number of short balls. We, we thought it was going to be a bat- batsman dominated tournament. Uh, it hasn't quite played out that way so far. Uh, there's obviously a notable tactic from fast bowlers to hit the middle of the pitch, bowl a lot of short balls, and for the most part, it seems to have worked. Ben, you've, you've looked into this a little bit, have you?
2: Yeah, I've, I've crunched the numbers. Um, and we have ball tracking data available for the last four World Cups um, at Great Riz, and the 44% of pace deliveries at this World Cup have been short, which is the most ever for those four World Cups. Right, And the average of 26 for those short balls is the best ever. So basically, there have been more short balls than there have ever been, and they've been better. Now, maybe if we go all the way back to yeah, the, the ones in the 70s and 80s when they played at the Red ball and all of that, then maybe it would be slightly different. But in the modern era, this is a, this is pretty new phenomenon. And it's quite surprising given you know the, the hitting range of a lot of the modern batsmen. I think partly it's been influenced by the grounds that we've played on in terms of the Oval and Cardiff are both very big square boundaries. And, and so that's
1: interesting, isn't it? Because the way the performance works, we just, we just move on now. So the Oval is forgotten. Yeah and then we move to a new surface and the, the World Cup could potentially kind of change in dynamic again which is a really fascinating angle to it actually
2: yeah boundary sizes are a weirdly underexplored thing in cricket in terms of how the, the way they're analysed and um, I think it's a crusade of a few of us to like get them noted on scorecards and things because it makes a big difference if you're a player who is incredibly good square of the wicket if you've got a 60 metre boundary like James Vince had in a few of the Raw London games when he, when he rocked up here at the Oval it's, it's beautiful and you're, you're in dreamland but if you've got you know, 85 metres to clear, short ball suddenly become an incredibly good tactic because you've got to hook like a genius to get them over the rope. Um, And that's why playing at so many different venues um, is quite an interesting element of this World Cup.
1: Do we think batsmen are just less good at playing the short ball as well? Is there an element of that in here? I mean, the way Pakistan, for instance, played against West Indies, they'd never seen a short ball before. Well,
0: I wonder if they don't face it quite as much, uh, particularly not in in a number of the t 20 uh, franchise competitions that the pitches would not, you wouldn't get short balls sure, in there, yeah. uh, and that's where they're playing a lot of their white ball cricket is in those tournaments, and perhaps not facing it. Yeah. It's
2: also the way that spells can be created. In, like Andre Russell was the one that really kind of started that Pakistan collapse, and he bowled sixteen deliveries, fifteen of which were short, and that was kind of his spell his 16 deliveries is the average length of his spell in a T20 game this year. Like, he doesn't get to bowl that often. And so, given a bit of time, a bit of, like, a wider canvas to kind of explore stuff, mm. he can try different things and just bowl short for a bit, and it comes off.
1: Uh, Lizzie, what surprised you so well, far? Or have you not been surprised? Have you, know you seen it all? I mean,
0: it perhaps shouldn't <laughs> surprise me, but the differing standards in fielding from truly awful... I mean, village under-10s <laughs> diving over balls to unbelievable and I don't know whether I shouldn't I shouldn't be surprised but it seems to me that fielding is one of the things that you can just that should be getting better and better and better Mm. um, across international teams and yet even England we saw some 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 awful stuff you talk about yeah
1: disparity England's two performances have probably been the most marked disparity it started with Morgan
0: inexplicably in the first over just Diving over in the way that you and I would in a club match, you know. Um, And and I don't quite, I can't quite get my head around what that that is, because it's not, it can't be the surfaces. I mean, these are the lushest, most incredible carpet outfields going across all of the venues, really. I find it slightly surprising that we are... We are still seeing awful fielding performances in 2019.
1: And however much you practice it, which they obviously do a huge amount, we know the England team do a huge amount. It's still that thing where it becomes infectious, isn't it? One person drops Mm. a catch, and the whole thing spreads. Um, Ben, I know you've got kind of the fielding uh, metric. uh, uh,
2: This is where I disagree with you both. (laughs)
0: Okay, all right. It wasn't as bad as we as we thought. Yes, it wasn't. It it wasn't.
2: I think one of one of the things with fielding, and I think. As, as fans and observers of the game, we always pick up on fielding as indicative of the team's wider kind of set, how it's feeling, how it's, its vibe. Really, it's like if they're fielding well, they're clicking, everything's in place, they're being very professional. And if they're bad, it's like, oh they're a rabble, they're not the team. There's no team ethic. Da, da, da. Whereas actually, it's just it's just something that you do. You, you know, you do it better or worse. It's like any other skill in the game. Against um, South Africa, we estimated that. England saved 35 runs in the field, which is their second best since the start of 2015 when we started recording stuff. Um, against Pakistan, we, recommend that we, we, uh, we collected data that suggested that it was saving 20 runs. And that's partly because we all forget the fact that Chris Wokes took... Three or four that's really that's good, good yeah, catch. Yeah. That is a very and we good point. and we all like, well, you know, they were all right. Ben Stokes takes one blinder, we all lose our minds, but yeah. Chris Wokes takes four relatively difficult catches, including one really difficult catch, and we all go, Oh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Because we, rem- we remember the fact that Morgan in the second over the game, or the first over the game, runs over one. But that only costs one or two runs. Sure. England didn't lose that game because of the fielding, they lost it because Rashid got whacked and they couldn't whack Sherwin Malik. That's that was the difference between the two sides, but it feels different. And Roy I'm dropping a
0: Yeah, Roy dropping a was not great. Yeah, I'm not going to try and defend
2: that, <laughs> <laughs> especially because it's, it's Jason Roy and it's like he's he's relentlessly good at backward point, and it was a surprise. But the point the point is is that I think we overestimate fielding because it's something we can all understand how to do. You you need to bend down and pick the ball up and throw it into the into the keeper. That is something we've all done at some level. Yeah, and we understand it. Whereas I think sometimes when Joss Butler kind of gets down on one knee, closes his eyes, leaves the stadium and scoops the bowler over, over, you know, over the ground, then we kind of go, OK, well, I don't know what's happening anymore. It's, it's so far from our own experience. Fielding feels quite close, so I think we overestimate it. And
0: I think the fact that um, fielding mistakes... You can't, you can't put fielding mistakes down to good bowling or good batting, really, can you? Yeah, they're exactly. not they're, It's not someone else is doing that. Sure. You have done that it to yourself. It's just one person's yeah. error. Yeah.
1: Um, so who, uh, say, since the last Champions Trophy, uh, who's the best fielding inside in the world, Ben? Sorry to put you on the spot. Do you know this stuff? Off the, I assume no, you know no, all of this.
2: <laughs> I know who the worst fielder fielder in the world is. It's Ashley Nurse. The statistically <laughs> he he's statistically the worst fielder in the world. Yeah, but it oh, might God. take him
0: about two months to get from down to the ground, doesn't he? He's quite Yeah, big. but I mean, that, that is quite an important thing to be able to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Also, England, unfortunately, are, England are up there consistently, right. which is why I think people were so shocked the other day at Trent Bridge, was that England are so good all the time that actually when they perform slightly below what we'd expect, we think they've had a shocker.
1: God, with well, actually Nurse as well, I mean, if West Indies keep going with all-out pace, he might not bowl very much, and he's it's, batting it's at eight, so he's kind of a specialist fielder, yet also the worst fielder it's in the world.
2: It's 1970s all over again, <laughs> isn't it? It's just, it's just the pace barrage, but, yeah, Nurse isn't really in there to do anything. I mean, they, they could just pick another batsman, or I think his position might be vulnerable because, yeah, he really isn't offering much.
1: Um, Listeners, we would like you to tell us what surprised you so far in the tournament. Uh, big surprises, little surprises, pleasant surprises... Weird surprises. We want to hear them. Uh, tweet us at Wisden Cricket or direct to me at Joe underscore Wisden, not at Joe underscore Harmon, because that is a soul singer from Sussex um, who coincidentally I went to university with her boyfriend, and um, we've had a weird, weird kind of cross crossovers. Um, so don't don't tweet her. I don't
2: know what to do with that, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: just tweet me. Um, thanks ever so much for coming on the show, Ben and Lizzie. Uh, we hope to hear more from you over the course of the tournament
0: definitely hopefully so yeah,
1: that's, that's committed We're <laughs> <laughs> they'll be back signed in blood <laughs> uh, and this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979 I'll be back tomorrow to look back on a mouthwatering double header India finally begin their tournament against South Africa who desperately need a victory and then uh, later in the day New Zealand and Bangladesh who each won their first game face off at this very ground at the Oval Phil Walker will be back alongside me and we'll also be hearing again from South African writer Daniel Gallon who was less than impressed with his team's performance against Bangladesh. Can fast men cause an upset? Don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app or Spotify.
0: Podcast Network.